0: Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where Ars Technica writers and editors discuss the latest in the worlds of science, computing, technology, and everything else in between. During each episode, we dig deep into some of the issues we're writing about at ArsTechnica.com. We also talk about some of the stuff we're doing when we're not circling around the Ars orbiting headquarters. I'm your host, social editor Cesar Torres.
1: And I'm your co-host, Associate Writer Casey Johnston, and we are here with Senior Product Specialist Andrew Cunningham. Hello. And we are in the middle of a bunch of movie adaptations, or I should say book adaptations into movies that are coming out. Uh, We, the Carrie was just released, Um, we have another installment of The Hobbit coming up, we have Hunger Games coming up, and... So we decided to have a little bit of discussion about how successful these franchises are, especially because they are, two Two of these are mid-series and one is a re-adaptation of a book that was already previously adapted. So it's time to talk about whether anyone is actually doing this with any measure of success or <laughs> if they should do some things differently, I guess. Um, <laughs> Uh, Cesar, you uh, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can speak for myself. I did not see the new Carrie movie, um, but Cesar, you you saw it, and you are a big fan of this property.
0: Yeah, the, just the the novel as a as an engine to to inspire filmmakers, I think is is great. Uh, the Brian De Palma movie from the 1970s is uh, a horror classic. And so is Stephen King's novel. And it it really was one of my first entry points into Stephen King's works and Brian De Palma's movies as well. And so it's hard to uh, talk about the new movie without going back to that and and comparing. It's just inevitable. And that, to me, speaks to the power of film adaptations. Clearly, some filmmakers have, have done such a great job of these that they've actually made a Whole new icon of the you know the actual story that they retold or adapted, mm-hmm. so Carrie stands there uh, with that. I went and saw it recently, it released in October, and in fact, it was maybe just the one um single horror film that was released throughout the whole month. I mean, there were other things that were thrillerish, but it was an interesting October because
2: usually there's more. You know. No, yeah, saw, we, no, yeah, like, I was gonna say, do we not do saw movies anymore?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does so that franchise like, Guys
2: saw 10.
1: There's no scream. There wasn't even a parody of like some horror franchise. There were not on like The Ring Five. We're not on Nightmare on Elm Street, like fourteen I don't know I don't know these series very well, but I know there's a million Saws and I've mistakenly seen some of them. I feel like we're so, about due that, for a nostalgic reboot
2: of Blair Witch Project or something.
1: But. Oh man. No, they should um, just they should just reboot Saw, I think. I think Saw is like i <laughs> You know, it doesn't have to... Yeah. I and mean, they rebooted Spider-Man, what, five years after the first one or something, yeah. so let's just get <laughs> well, that moving so, along. Anyway. Um well, so recently... Sorry, uh, you,
2: yeah, um, You mentioned, you know, the, the original Carrie to, to just, I don't know, to move back to book to movie adaptations. <laughs> um, <laughs> to you mentioned that the original Carrie is a classic, and before we were talking, you know, before we started recording the show, we were talking, and you had mentioned that the new movie kind of hewed a little bit closer to the book, so... One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about on the show is like the difficulty in making that transition and like what from the book makes the cut and what gets changed and why. So um like what was included from the book in this new movie that wasn't in the old movie and like was it successful or, or do you think it didn't work?
0: Yeah, that that's such a great question. I mean, it's a, it's like the million dollar question with I think with every adaptation, but uh, usually when when book lovers and movie lovers are, are trying to sort through this, you're trying to think about, you know, what is at the heart of the book? You know, and uh, if it's a book that's beloved, most people can generally kind of say, here's, here's what it's really about. And with Carrie, uh, you know, it was Stephen King's first novel. And it was something that uh, he hadn't even found his, like, Form that he uses now. It was much more experimental. The story is told through newspaper articles and lots of meta-fiction. Uh, and really, I mean, that, that novel, at least in my interpretation, is really about the, the power of female sexuality and uh, sort of these untapped forces that happen in, like, the American high school, the, the experience of teenage girls in high schools. And so um, I felt like the Brian De Palma movie... Kind of nailed it. When I saw that as a kid, and I've seen it many times over, uh, it really kind of go, goes right for that. You know, se- sexuality and that that hidden power that she's got is is really frightening. But you also feel for her because she's bullied and she's sort of really weird. Um, and that, I mean, totally there. It makes you sort of think like nobody could remake this, right? And so uh, the new uh, version, mm-hmm. which. Again, just released. Uh, I was really excited because it was directed by Kimberly Pierce, and uh, I'm always really excited when there's female uh, horror movie directors because there's not a lot of them. And she is not known for uh, doing horror movies. She actually directed Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank, <laughs> and, and um, I was very excited because uh, you know at the heart of it there is again female sexuality, etc. So the new version, just to sort of. Um, sum it up for everybody. It's, they basically, sadly, almost retold shot for shot many of the, the the story elements from the movie version. So that's to say some of the things that we saw in the Brian De Palma movie kind of repeat. And in that sense, I was really disappointed. They, they didn't take enough chances visually with some of that stuff. But with the plotting itself, the, the way it gets closer to Stephen King's novel is really interesting. They, there's a lot more backstory about her mother, and the way in which Carrie was conceived and all the feelings of shame and regret that the mother has that are also tied in with her religious fervor. And so Julianne Moore plays her mom this time around. Uh, and it's, it's hard to beat Piper Laurie from the original movie. In fact, I believe she also won an Oscar for that. But Julianne Moore just kind of brings it home. I love all her performances. And it's a different kind of uh, Carrie's mom. And you certainly do get this sense of this person had uh, a life and traumatic experiences before she conceived. Uh, carrie as a as a baby, and we, you actually get to see the birth of the baby uh years before, and so that was kind of interesting because they they were trying to sort of round out this relationship between Carrie and her mother in a way in which the original movie didn 't quite do and When you read the novel that that is definitely there there 's so much time that Carrie spends with her mom um, in that house you know that house is terrifying because mm-hmm. it's it 's about what they say and do to each other. Uh, they they try to leverage that a little bit more in the new movie. Is it as successful as a Brian De Palma movie? Probably not. Um, there's there's just really interesting things that I think they they kind of dropped the ball on or didn't comment on that are more current. But uh, it wasn't a bad reboot or a bad reinterpretation. It just it's very difficult to sort of top what Brian De Palma did, and uh, you know it has to do also with those performances that. Uh, Sissy Spacek uh, playing the original Carrie. I think she kind of nails it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but I would recommend seeing it if you're a horror movie fan or if you're interested in uh, what Kimberly Pierce has done with her movies. There's just interesting ideas that are put out there about uh, the current culture we live in with bullying and uh, again, sexuality, uh, the high school experience. Uh, they're all there. So, and I imagined, I thought, if I was twelve and I had never heard of the original movie. I would actually be pretty terrified by this new one. So that's also kind of relevant. <laughs> I don't I don't mind if new kids enter you know, the the book this way. That's fine.
1: So I heard I did see some people say that the the trailer for this movie was better than the movie itself. Did you see do you Isn't know what the trailer I'm talking about? The
2: point of most trailers is to just like N- Well, yeah. make, No. Like, to- <laughs> like
1: you can you can have a trailer that uh actually I don't know I don't know if it's appropriate to say that you can but I think this trailer stood alone in a way that it was like I mean it was really just like an internet video like of a prank so it it didn't really have a lot to do even with the movie but it was just like I think, like, there were tags at the beginning or at the end, like, you know, go see Carrie or whatever. But did you know, do you know the trailer I'm talking about? I
2: have no idea. I've never seen it. I do. And the
0: <laughs> the whole marketing around the movie uh, was pretty interesting. There there were some events they did here in New York, too, where they kind of uh, restaged some of the high school prom stuff, like, in a coffee shop randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, But it it, it all comes back to the way that they executed uh, video. In the actual story, uh, in the current one, some of the bullying that happens in the locker room um, happens because the the girls tape uh, or record Carrie with their cell phones, and then they post the videos to YouTube. So that is like a really interesting plot element, which was obviously not even feasible (laughs) in the original book. But I don't think they took that uh, far enough. I I mean, it just uh, by the time it plays out with the principal and sort of how the the girls are punished for having done that, it could have happened sort of anywhere, or it could have just been gossip that got around the school. So uh, I don't think they took enough effort to make that current in the way that bullying or YouTube or social media kind of plays out in today's high schools with this kind of stuff. Um, So it's sort of a gimmick... And yeah, good for the trailer, but not so amazing for the full movie. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I hate horror movies, but I did like the original Carrie, and I don't believe I ever did read the book. But uh, the movie is is awesome, and it is really scary. So successful horror movie, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my interest really extends to the to the new adaptation, especially since people seem to not be that enthusiastic about it. But well, um, yeah.
2: what's I mean, what's kind of interesting is that, you know, the movie the original movie anyway, has taken on a life separate from the book. Like people have seen the movie without having read the book and they're usually fine with mm-hmm. that. And I think that gets to what Cesar was saying about how the original movie was more about capturing like the emotional and thematic core of the book rather than just like Translating the book's scenes up onto the screen, like verbatim, mm-hmm. which I yeah, think actually, is what happens in in a lot of my least favorite um, book to movie adaptations. Like, I think that really? that's why. Yeah, like that's what that's one of the things that I hated the most about like the four Harry Potter movies that I oh. that I saw. Oh, oh, you're saying, you're saying you're
1: saying the direct translation is the bad is the bad thing. Not yeah, the yeah, yeah, and emotional yeah. Like
2: anymore. when okay. when it's done okay. like artlessly and without any consideration I guess for what does and doesn't work on on screen like those those movies do have a lot of um, I don't know big visual set pieces that lend themselves well to cinema but um, they're so obsessed with cramming every scene from the book in that they can that they often feel (laughs) like rushed and inorganic and like Mm -hmm. I don't know kind of unable to stand on their own like I, I wouldn't have wanted to watch like by the time you got up to the fourth movie and just like a ton of stuff was happening Mm-hmm. Um, I would not have wanted to see those movies without having read the book because otherwise I would have no idea what was going on. So. Right.
1: Yeah, I did. I went prior to this podcast. I, I went and looked. I was I sort of the question came up in my head, like, are there any like because like the the rule is that the movie is never as good as the book. And I was like, are there any? you know movies that have been you know maybe not better but like actual successful adaptations and of course there have and i just didn't think enough about it like there's like silence of the lambs there's shawshank redemption there's godfather there's american psycho um and a lot of these are movies that i've seen that i've never read the book i've never even actually thought about reading the book i just like see the movie and go wow that was an awesome movie and then just kind of like move on with my life like, I saw... I I still want to read this book, actually, but I saw No Country for Old Men t- two months ago, three months ago, and it was just, like, breathtakingly good that it's, at like... I don't know, I think I even forgot that it was a book at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do think that thing about how people people end up seeing these movies without having read the book, maybe that does sort of speak to what is and is not a good movie adaptation...
2: Yeah, I think I feel like for the big like fi- the fiction and and fantasy stuff. So like the Harry Potter's, the Lord of the Rings is the um, Twilights. Maybe if if you want to go there, like, <laughs> we don't I,
1: no, we don't want to go there. We'll, we'll Leave that
2: big. I f- I feel like the the ties to the book are s- stronger. If that makes sense, like it's a it's a bigger I don't know. It's a bigger deal that it was a book. First, whereas with some of those movies that aren't tied to like a long-running franchise or something like that, um, I don't know. It's it's less clear that it's even being adapted from a book because like fewer people are familiar with the contents of that book in the first place.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't have they don't have fandoms the way that science fiction and fantasy franchises do. Right now, it seems like Um, yeah, we can definitely talk about i mean i think game of thrones is still a ways mm-hmm. off but that's that's another one that i've i actually did try and read the books i got a ways into the first one and i was just like it just could not get into it because there was so much description of clothing and feasts that <laughs> i gave up and i was i was just like this was actually even before the tv series came out and i was just like you know what? i'm just gonna go into this blind and just like watch the show and it'll be fine and it, and it was fine, fine. like yeah. the show is the show is awesome i don't need the book. so it's a fun show which is which is such a sad sad moment for me because i have always been the such a book person who like up until my adult life you could count on me to have read the book of something that i was going to watch but now it's just kind of like i i don't know if it's my fault or if it's like the adaptation's fault or i don't like i i don't know where to place the blame but uh game of thrones
2: I mean, there, there are books <laughs> you know? and there are books like true reading reading the lord of the rings trilogy or something is different than committing to this like five tome really dense fantasy series that's not finished yet and there's like all the possibility in the world that it never will be finished and cuz you know that George R R Martin famously writes so slowly. I don't think I have to explain this to any of our Game of Thrones watching or reading listeners, but um <laughs> right. He's perpetually slipping this stuff back. He's like the AMD of of authors. Like he can never make a he can never make a launch date that he sets for
1: himself. So some there for, we for we have the... like two readers who are really going to appreciate your Man, they're just laughing. AMD <laughs> reference. I love you guys.
2: Thanks. I'll be here all but- week. <laughs>
0: But do you feel like Game of Thrones, the series, hit, hits the heart of what the book has going for it?
2: I mean, I, I did read the – I read the first book, and then I read the first half of the second book. And then I, I didn't even, like, dislike it. I just kind of dropped out of it. And um, But talking to my fiance, who did read all five of the books and um, now does that thing where she's kind of smug about knowing what's going to happen before <laughs> me um, – Yeah, it's like it does take the most important stuff out of the books while also maybe condensing some of the some of the smaller characters into like composites and um, changing the order of events sometimes so that things, I don't know, so that things flow a little bit better. But it like those big fantasy series are all about like characters. They're all about like world building. And on that front, I think the show has been has been really successful. Like you, you do even on those episodes where you just spend like three minutes with everybody and nothing really moves forward in any significant way. Like you enjoy spending time with most of the characters most of the time.
1: Mm -hmm. See, I I started thinking about whether this is sort of a rule that can be applied in any way to to specifically science fiction and, and fantasy series that because of the way the books are structured and the things they place emphasis on, if they lend themselves to adaptations that are as good or better than the source material because you know um, I think ambiance for instance is like hugely important to the Game of Thrones books like he spent so much time describing what everything looks like but you can you can get all that information. In a, in a TV show very quickly and sort of get to the, you know, actual plot moving along a little bit faster. So, I'm... I just... It seems to me that at adapting these things is a little bit... Not easier, but it just... They lend themselves to adaptations more easily. I guess Harry Potter, though, kind of conflicts with that thesis, because I do agree that those movies were not so great.
0: I want to sort of throw in my two cents about Harry Potter, I agree that I think that, especially towards the end, the movies try to replicate what is in the book. Um, but, but maybe that's a unique example, because there is maybe no bigger franchise from a living author than Harry Potter. Uh, and so, we know that J.K. Rowling, by the time she was sort of halfway through, she was already probably thinking in some sort of cinematic way. I mean, I I can't I can't know for sure, and you know I'm sure people have interviewed her, and maybe she deflects the question. But uh, by the time you know the the rights are sold and these movies are going to be made, she probably had some ideas in mind of what might be visually interesting, and then that's how the movies turned out. But there's other properties like Lord of the Rings, where in Tolkien's time he had no idea that you know Peter Jackson would hit these movies, and the adaptations of those are so interesting because they made a lot of cuts, they condensed uh, scenes, etc., to make it cinematic so that the viewer can isn't bored by descriptions of lots of uh, architecture or, or uh, meals. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> st- meals in that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's interesting. I, I'm not trying to um, let Harry Potter sort of get away with it, certainly, but uh, I think um, they're overall kind of uneven. There's some that are better than others, but I don't think they're all terrible. I think if if you've read the whole series through, I mean, the the movies are very fulfilling overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I the, the, movies the, latter,
1: the latter, latter movies are better, sure.
2: Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think that the movies kind of track with the books where the earlier ones are a little a little better, a little more relatable. Like you you get a better sense of the world and the characters in it and then the later books are I don't know. They become more about like character drama and like these big set piece battle things. And that's I don't know. I just that that is less interesting to watch play out on screen, I think. Like going back to Lord of the Rings, I think some of the battle stuff in the movies was the most you know, the most boring, the most tiresome stuff. And it's I like in the books, you don't see a lot of blow by blow battles. Like you go through right. a couple of them and you spend most of your time, you know, viewing it from one character's perspective and kind of seeing it through their eyes. And I think it's a little more engaging that way than just to watch like waves of CGI orcs you know run into a line of CGI horses and like that's that's what you're watching I don't know I feel the same way about chase scenes in yeah. movies like they happen all the time and they're so boring to watch
1: I mean I can't speak to what's actually in the Game of Thrones books but I feel like that's a thing that the Game of Thrones series is doing really well and I've heard that it's in part because of their budget constraints but they really don't spend a lot of time on battles and they they sometimes employ questionable plot devices to avoid displaying a battle but it's uh, I'm I'm specifically talking about that time that tyrion was knocked out but um I think I think choosing literally choosing their battles really works well for them because it makes the the fight scenes interesting to see and it's not it's not boring it's like they they the ones they choose to display they like hinge really big plot points on them and they don't I think there was one, maybe, that went for a whole episode that, like, that like sea battle with the fire.
2: That was pretty cool. Um,
1: yeah. So that was awesome. And they, you know, they, I mean, give everyone less money if it means we don't have to watch if, if like, they don't put all this effort into wars that people ultimately find boring. Yeah. But um, I feel like now that we've sort of brought Lord of the Rings into this discussion, we should talk about The Hobbit. Which I have strong feelings about, and they are negative. <laughs> and I think Andrew doesn't agree. Um, no, I do. Have, I actually, I,
2: I didn't like that movie at all.
1: But you're still going to go see the next one, so you're 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 like on a you're on a level that I'm not on.
2: But I'm going to see it, but it's going to be it's going to be. I'm not going to say that I'm going to go in preparing to hate watch it because I think that's closed minded of me, I guess. But I'm going to go in fully cognizant of the fact that. The first movie was not that good. They shot most of these three at the same time. And so if there is any criticism of the first movie that the creators thought had merit, you know, they are going to be very limited in how they can address those criticisms in this movie. So Mm -hmm. I'm expecting something that, you know, is similarly overblown, is, is similarly very visually impressive, but also like unsatisfying. You know, both both as a movie watcher and as a as a reader of the book, I I'm not prepared to like it, but I'm I'm gonna go and give it a chance anyway.
1: I will say that the trailer for the second movie actually looked good. Like I didn't, it didn't. I mean, as trailers do, but the I didn't I didn't see any hints. I mean, you know, trailers can just like take all of the good parts and put them together and in, in trailer, but. Um, I didn't, I didn't see any hints of the things that bothered me about the first movie. Um, I guess, and I guess part of what bothered me about the first movie was some things like the setup of certain things, like the thunder battle, for instance. (laughs) Um, (laughs) which was the worst, but I don't know. I I for so long too. Oh wow, it it did in in (laughs) slow motion, but I'm I'm kind of the especially the scenes with the dragon i'm kind of excited about so i don't know i still i don't don't, go ahead um
2: in the first movie you do yeah you do stuff like that thunder battle where you're sitting and watching two things that you don't care about at all beat each other up like two big (laughs) rock giant monsters Mm -hmm. and like and I guess you're supposed to be worried that your characters aren't going to survive, even though, of course, your characters are going to survive. Like, come on. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just boring to sit there. But but the dragon is is more of a character. And I think that having a stronger adversary to play off of will maybe make the movie a little bit stronger. Because, yeah, in the first part of The Hobbit, the book, you don't have any strong um, adversarial presences like they they run into troubles repeatedly which I think is reflected in the movie but the movie had to like create that white goblin guy out of whole cloth basically to give them something to fight against like on their way over so it wasn't just a movie of them moving from point A to point B but yeah the dragon was like built into the original book and he has a little bit more of a personality and yeah I'm, I'm hoping and he's Benedict Cumberbatch too right? Oh yeah, so oh, I is have he?
0: You, you, you. can oh hear that voice. God. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Wow. No, maybe
2: you need to see this movie now, uh, so you can well, see the oh. Sherlock Dragon. Uh,
0: I I normally don't get this kind of uh, irate about movies, <laughs> but maybe with this one I do. I might only be paying my ticket just to go see the scenes with uh, the dragon. I, I, I swear to you, because the the what they did with the other one, like you said, just quadrupling the number of of uh, just stuff that's in there it took away from what i think is part of the heart of the the book which is it kind of takes its time it's a children's book there is everything that can go wrong kind of goes wrong for them in their little journey but if you get the sense that things are just unfolding before you and the movie that was presented to us last time was so rushed you know there's just constant stuff flying at the screen like every 2 minutes I just thought, where's that sense of pacing? You know, why did they have to make it into a giant action piece? So with this, I'm hoping that the time they spend with the dragon is just how I remembered it in the book, where it just it takes a while. It's a, there's a buildup to to uh, to see it, etc. I'm crossing my fingers, but that's kind of what I'm saving my money for—just those scenes.
1: See, okay, what I think I needed for the first movie was I needed, you know, those apps that like tell you or those like sites that tell you like when you can go to the bathroom. I need I need someone to go into I what I needed was someone to go into the first movie and tell me like when the part with Gollum was. Pretty much. That was like the only that was the only part worth seeing. The only part that was good and that I enjoyed. So I need someone to go into the second movie and tell me when the dragon parts are and I will and I I have a feeling that it's gonna be like the dragon was in what the last like 10 seconds of the first movie i feel like they're gonna give the dragon all of five minutes in this one and because but it's like half the trailer but i have a feeling it's it's not gonna be in there substantially and they're gonna save all of the dragon for the third movie and i don't know if i'm right i don't remember the timing of the dragon in the book so i don't know how they're Mm -hmm. gonna balance it but i'm concerned that i'm gonna be sold on this idea of the dragon and then go in and get virtually no dragon and it'll be bad
2: well the deal with the third movie, I think is it's supposed to be um extra like extra material that was not in the Hobbit itself but is kind of in like Tolkien's appendices and I don't know some other stuff that they made up to kind of make the ties between the Hobbit movies and the Lord of the Rings movies a little stronger. so it's my like understanding post-dragon? is that yeah, my understanding is that the second movie is supposed to be most of the dragon stuff, really yeah, and while it's true in the book that the characters spend a lot more time worrying about the presence of the dragon than they do like in the presence of the dragon <laughs> he might not be in there a whole lot but yeah that we we are due for some scenes where martin freeman as bilbo is going to be talking to benedict cumberbatch as the dragon and i'm hoping that they kind of recaptured the what was good about the Gollum scene from the first movie it's just like when when the movie actually slows down for a second Let's Bilbo be, be like, in the film and doing stuff in the film. <laughs> yeah. I have higher hopes for, for, for better quality, I guess.
1: I will say I, I did love Martin Freeman as that character, and I feel like he didn't either get enough to interact with or do in the movie. I love him as an actor, and, man, the... Okay, I'm sitting here. I came into this like, man, all I'm going to do is hate on the Hobbit, part two and i'm never gonna see this movie but i'm sitting here being sold on the idea of seeing this movie
2: we should go see it let's go (gasps) god i don't
1: want to (laughs) but i might have to um so okay maybe it's a maybe now all right when does it come when is it out
2: i don't know it's it's november or december
1: Instead, okay. So sometimes at,
0: at this point it's December because uh, Hunger Games is November twenty second, and they would not put that bumped up together. Oh, really? For sure. Yeah. Hunger Games will. I mean, they're competing for each other's you know space, but yeah, uh, yeah definitely. So November I, is just basically Thor and Hunger Games for like the big releases. So yeah'
1: I, is
2: December thirteenth.
1: Okay. Yes. So I have a while to waffle on this. Yeah. So well, I am
0: going to reread the the Hobbit again uh before the movie.
1: That might be a good idea. But I don't know. Well I feel like that might lead to also more disappointment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> true. Uh, let me think
2: about that. Yeah, true. I re-read, so, I reread it before the first movie and it it didn't make the movie more or less disappointing, but it did I guess throw into sharper relief what the movie what the movie did and didn't do well, and like what it converted from the books and what it made up, and I don't know. I found I found that the stuff that was pulled in more directly from the books fared a little bit better, which maybe goes against what I was saying earlier about how movies that just follow the books template exactly are the worst ones. But <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. I don't know. Reading, reading the book beforehand made me more like cognizant of when they were making stuff up and it it just reminded me of what was good about the book and and um i don't know I i thought the experience was made better by reading it before i went in
1: okay well i'll take that into consideration but i'm not i'm not i'm not convinced i feel like i should just at this point let the book be what it was and then maybe when all of this is over return to the book and reconcile the two but i feel like i don't know i we'll see um but now we've touched on the hunger games which i came into this thinking that we should talk about it but then i started thinking like who is really buying these books aren't any of them our readers and i don't really know i mean i've read these books andrew you said you've read
2: i read them, them? once yes yeah, yeah. you read
1: them once i mean i only read them once but i really like them and cesar you read them
0: Oh my! Uh, hello, everybody. Sometimes I mute my mic and <laughs> and I'm lost here in the ether. Yeah, uh, I've read them once. Yeah. I'm okay.
1: Sure. So I mean, I think these are pretty. You know, they've. I think they've captured some. Some. I mean, all of our minds, at least. So, like, maybe we should have a discussion about this. Um, did did both of you see the first movie?
2: Yes. I okay. did, Yeah. Okay. And, d- and I, I enjoyed it.
1: Okay. I. I think I I had mixed feelings about it. I think overall positive, but I I I my hope that I was holding out for the movie was that it would hit harder on the points of uh satire of entertainment and like reality TV and um just that whole that cuz the it very lightly touches on that in the book and I I feel like the movie would have been a good time to sort of like really blow that to its full proportion, and I feel like that was, like, the strongest sort of theme of, or I guess not the strongest theme, but it was a strong theme that I would have liked to see a lot more of, and I feel like would have, you know, hinged it to our reality a little bit more, and it didn't happen. That was my only, like, disappointment. But I do like, I mean... The second book is actually my favorite book, I would say. So I am pretty excited for the second movie. Definitely going to see this one.
2: Because well, um, I thought the second book... And I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but to, to keep it at a high level, I thought the second book was... It was, it was kind of like Rocky and Rocky II, to like to appeal to the cross-section who likes the Hunger Rocky Games and also the, the Rocky Hunger movies. <laughs> I feel like they are mostly the same book. But the ending is different.
0: I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, I, that's a, that's um, I mean, I'd, and I don't fault the books with that. I think that that's fine because you you get a little bit more exploration of the characters in a second book. Obviously, you have more space to do that, so I think that that that's fine. Uh, not to get too Stallone-ish here, but uh, it, <laughs> the first book also has really great Rambo-ish kind of stuff that. Uh, Katniss does, and I thought it was so interesting that a female character was spending all this time in the woods uh, basically finding food, foraging, hunting, um, using a bow and arrow, and it's so glossed over in the film. I felt kind of sad because films that do that are really... I think they're fun to watch, but they didn't let her do so much of that. They really kind of move her right into the the drama of the story, mm-hmm. and I guess that's fine because it's a movie. But I thought there were some opportunities they could have taken to make that really interesting because mm, often those characters don't get to do that much uh, sort of wilderness kind of survival stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think even even the specificity of wilderness and survival stuff aside, like I, one of the most compelling parts about Katniss as a character is how skillful she is and I feel like that was a you know I, I would have liked to see I would would have liked to see more than that in the movie and it just yeah you're right it didn't come through more than like a nominal sort of amount like yes she is carrying a bow for a reason and here's the reason and that's going to be the reason for the rest of the movie so just like keep that in mind every time you see her with a bow um but I feel like the second movie I think i've everyone I've talked to about this says they like the first book and don't like the second book as much because it's just like the first book, but I think maybe the reason I like the second book is because it it like all of the politics and backstory of the why hunger games are is dealt with, so now you can just focus on the the process and Everything that goes into the Hunger Games and like you know the results and I I just I, I it's like it's like the first book writ large for me it's it's just like a better version of the first book I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, that sounds about right to me. I mean, there, there's there's a there's another element of the the books that I think it's this is not a spoiler. This is just my opinion, but the I don't think the third book is particularly well. Written, <laughs> there's some there's something that happened in the writing. It feels a little rushed. This happened also with some of the Harry Potter movie uh, books, and uh, I wonder what they will do with with the third movie to kind of um, you know just make it more movie like, but also address some of those issues. Because the, that third book, just as a series, it's a fun series, but the, it didn't close out in a very satisfying way for me, and that had to do with kind of what what went down with that third book. So I'm curious, yeah. like maybe the movies will kind of top that.
1: The third book is very odd. Um in a lot of ways and obviously because the the second book mirrors the first book. It's like it's just kind of going off the rails. Um But yeah, I I don't know. I I have I have hopes for this second book for the movie in terms of uh, I feel like the I forget what their term is for it, but like the the place where the actual Hunger Games takes place is so much better and I feel like it'll translate really well to to a screen and I, I'm like excited to see it play out in real life well so, real life real quote unquote real life with real <laughs> humans and real computer generated things falling at them or trying to eat them or whatever Um, so yeah
2: yeah I guess I don't have anything else. I th- I guess my one my one biggest criticism of the series and of the first movie would be I was kind of hoping that Jennifer Lawrence would infuse Katniss with a little more character because I mean I love Jennifer Lawrence like mm-hmm. all alive people. <laughs> and, and like and, and in the books I feel like Katniss is defined by like her skill with the bow or by like her romantic connections or by like her status. As this like icon, as like the winner of the Hunger Games, or the the, the girl who like thumbed her nose at the at the oppressive mm-hmm. government, but you don't really get a great sense of what she is actually like. I guess even though you you spend so much time in her head, but I don't know. I just I don't find her a particularly compelling character because she's 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 just like a list of qualities to me yeah. like she i don't know the 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 books don't go far enough to tie her together into like a real character who i can really feel something for or like really connect with and i was hoping the movies would would um get that across a little better and i don't i mean i, I don't think they did i think it was something that was i think it was something that was a problem with the movies and the books you know equally
1: yeah i think i think you're right in that the book the i <laughs> I would be hard pressed to describe her personality from the books as other than like vaguely angry. Has a bow. Um, has has bow. Like scale is a little Will travel. Yeah, a little angry, but um, I think it's I. I tragically get a little sense of the the twilight sort of ethos where you make a character as blank slate as possible so that the audience that this book series is projected at which is young girls will like or not projected at targeted at they will project themselves into the character and then you know become attached to it in that way but yeah i, I do think Jennifer Lawrence is such a great like i feel like this this character is a good fit for her and she could bring it's it's like Dumb to tell an actress how to do her job. But like I know she has like a talent for this sort of derisiveness and um to be to be like flippant. Like she she is like that, like if you watch interviews with her. So um I feel like this character is a good fit for her in that way, but she plays her very straight, and it's um I do wish she would introduce a little bit more personality to to the character in the movie. I do think you're right that. She is kind of just a, you know, less than she could be.
0: Yeah, she could really make it her own. Mm-hmm. And there's there's room for that there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I will be going to see that. Yes, and
1: same. I'll be going
0: to see all of these movies we talked about. <laughs> uh, speaking of, we're at the end of the, the show. So if uh, any of you listeners out there, if you guys want to send us in the comments uh, movies that you think were well adapted or not so well adapted, or if you want to just chat about Thor, which we didn't have time to talk about Uh, as an adaptation but uh, if you want to mention that then do so in the comments for the show Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher you can find us in the iTunes store and you can leave us reviews and ratings we always appreciate that and I just hope that um, you guys don't pay too much for your movie tickets they're so expensive now (laughs) Mm-hmm. Get a deal if you can. Yes. Uh Andrew, I wanna thank you for being here. Oh, no problem, thank you. And uh Casey, of course, we're always driving the ship here, so mm-hmm. thanks again. And yeah. we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.